Beloved, wherever you happen to be at this moment as you are streaming the service with us, whether live or by recording, the presence of the Lord is with you. Sense that presence now in a deeper way. How? Because God goes deeper as we open more. There's no end to him. He will flow deeper into you. As, as we have partaken of his body and blood this morning, we've once again been reminded that he who came to us as a child, the babe in Bethlehem, the Christ in the cradle, comes to us again today in our worship, through his word, by his body, with his blood, by his spirit, to enter into us again today, to draw us into him again today, to go deeper into him and allow more of his depth to penetrate into you. That's the presence that goes deeper right now. Allow it to do its work. Allow him to penetrate every concern, every worry, every fear with his promise of life here and now, always and forever. Life in the moment, abundant, all-sufficient, life everlasting, eternal, overcoming, overwhelming. What an overjoy we feel in our hearts. Lord, do what you want to do in us today. Work by your word. Work by your spirit. Work by your body and your blood to will and to do within us all that you desire. And we will trust in you. That that's your prayer today. Add your robust amen. Say it out loud. Say it so they can hear you in the house. So they can hear it on your street. Say amen. 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 Hallelujah. Right where you are, clap your hands to the Lord. Don't be ashamed or embarrassed to do it in your house. Or if you're somewhere where there's others around that might notice, you can do it in a graceful way. But at the same time, you can say, I'm giving an applause to the Lord. I'm giving him thanks. I'm blessing his name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to say thank you so much to Pastor Wilson, to Brother Wynell for the fabulous worship today and for leading us in the table of the Lord. I want to say thank you to you for being a part of today's streaming service. I am, for any guests who may not recognize me, Pastor Courtney Hall, lead pastor of Praise Christian Fellowship LA, and I want to welcome you this morning and say to you, Maganagamagapo, or if you are watching this at a later time or in a different part of the world, then you can receive from me the greeting of whatever time of day it is for you, and also this greeting that is so appropriate for all of us that are experiencing this service live right now on January 3rd of 2021. Maligayambagontaon. Happy New Year. You know, it is a happy new year. Despite the challenges of this old world, despite the troubles that you may presently be facing, there is joy in the Lord for you this year. There really is. And in fact, that's not just wishful thinking or me wanting to try and make you feel better. That's me being a faithful witness as best as I am able and by the enablement of his spirit to the promise of the Lord, which is that his plans for you are good and that his will for you is good, that his desire for you, for me, for us is good. He has a purpose, a purpose for us. Will you say that word, purpose? Just repeat it where you are, purpose. That's on purpose that I'm asking you to do that because this year we feel that the Lord has said to us by his spirit shall be a year of purpose. 2021, the year of purpose. Will you say that with me? In fact, I think we've got a slide that says something to that effect that's gonna be coming up shortly. Say that phrase, 2021, 
the year of purpose. There you see a road in the gloaming there. I like this image because it indicates to me there's a pathway that we're on, and yet it is also one in which there are mists ahead. You and I don't know for a certainty precisely what tomorrow holds. That belongs to the Lord. But what we do know, as the saying often goes, and you've heard me say it before, is we know who holds tomorrow. And that, again, is the Lord. And he has us on a pathway of purpose. So you and I have a, a, a direction to go in. And that's what this year's focus is. Now, it's always true that the Lord has a purpose for us. And you can rightly say that every year is a year of purpose. And any year that is lived in the Lord is certainly a year of purpose. In fact, it could be said and probably needs to be said that any year or any day, even any moment that is not lived in the Lord, which is to say it is not a moment or a time in which we are seeking the Lord, listening to the Lord or trying to serve the Lord or endeavoring to to acknowledge the Lord. If we're doing our own things, that is also a time of purpose. So the point is, not so much whether you will have purpose or not, but what purpose you will have, I will have. What purpose will govern our lives? It's true that people can live without any purpose, but even that becomes a purpose unto itself. In other words, well, I think the saying says something like this, if you don't know where you're going, you're sure to get there. It's something along those lines. Even if you don't have a purpose, it becomes the purpose of your life. But it's not going to be productive unless it is a purpose that reflects the will and the promise of the Lord. So this sermon series that we are in, I began it last week. If you're joining us for the first time today, don't worry. We're going to talk a little bit about what we discussed last week before we push on ahead. And there's two more uh, portions of this series. It'll be four weeks in total, God willing. And along the way, we are talking about different aspects of purpose, but this will obviously be an ongoing conversation that you and I have, PCF, as we move through this year. Because though every year that we serve the Lord is a year in which His purposes are, are relevant and dominant in our lives, and we are purposed by them, it is apparently a particular desire of the Spirit of the Lord for you and I, if you're a part of this fellowship, or for any that may be receiving this message and it resonates in your spirit and you want to you appropriate this promise and say, yes, I believe that's what the Lord is saying to me in this season and in 2021 or whatever the year is that you may be listening to this at some future point, if it should reach you in a future year. Well, then if the Lord has brought you to this message, it may very well be that he is also saying to you, as he's saying to us here at PCFLA in this season, that his purpose is particularly relevant for us, or it's a point of particular focus, that in this season, the purpose of the Lord will be a very powerful focal point for you and I. And I think the reason for that is, in part, because of the moment that we are in. There are so many things which could steal our focus, steal our joy, even, you know, literally steal our lives, that, that would make us feel as though we have somehow lost purpose, lost focus, lost direction, or maybe even lost desire. I, I, I said, I think, in the message last week that one of the problems that we deal with in life, and we all know there are many problems in life, one of the problems may be coming to the place where you feel like, what's the point? Why go on? Why? Because there's a purpose. There is a purpose and there is a prize, there is a prize, there is a crown of glory greater than any earthly crown, greater and more glorious than any ruler's clown, crown, well, maybe that was a Freudian slip, some rulers can be clowns, but I'll tell you what, the one who wears the crown of crowns, the king of kings, he means business, he's full of joy, he's full of life, he is full of truth, we're going to talk about the testimony of his truth today. And his rule is greater. So he is greater than any earthly ruler. And his crown is greater also in its ability to bring life than any death-dealing crown like COVID. You may know that the coronavirus is named for its crown-like structure. This sort of spiky, um, uh, 
spherical or, or uh, round uh, configuration by which this microscopic uh, organism operates and it, it latches on to things with that crown. Well, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's no good. We're no fan of that COVID corona crown, but the crown of Jesus is greater and will overcome even that. In fact, that was part of our preliminary focus in this series in recognizing that the purposes of the Lord come to us in the midst of many problems. And sometimes the effect of those problems for us is to feel like our purpose is to solve all the problems the way we want them solved in the time that we want them solved. And unfortunately, that's very rarely the purpose of the Lord. Surely the Lord has solutions. You can be confident of that. That is part of his promise. But his promise is not that his solutions will be exactly what you want, exactly in the timeline that you and I would want them. His promise is instead that he will bring solutions in his time according to his purpose. But it is for this very purpose that the Lord has made us and that the Lord has saved us. The purpose of his promise, of his life, that you and I should know his truth. And when you know his truth, that truth, well, you probably know it. Say it with me. Will set you free. My chains are gone. I've been set free. When we were talking in the morning service, the patio service that we do here, masked and, and uh, distanced outdoors at 8.30 on Sundays, we were talking about this portion. I, I mentioned how the story of Paul and Silas in the prison. Do you remember that? Uh, I believe it was in Philippi. They had been imprisoned because of their purpose. Their purpose was to bear witness. To bear witness to what? To the truth of Jesus Christ. That's what they were living for. They were willing to risk their lives. They were willing to leave their homes. They were willing to spend all they have and depend upon the gifts and giving of others, just like we here at PCF depend upon you, making your tithes and offerings. We're grateful. Hey, let me just go ahead and be all out on this because we are grateful and we do need it. So let me just remind you, you can make those gifts online, mypcf.org. In fact, at the beginning of a new year, it might be a good time for you to consider setting up a recurring gift. If you think for a moment, hey, it's a little distasteful that you're making a plug for donations in the middle of the sermon, you misunderstand both the sermon and the plug, if you want to call it a plug. Because what I am saying is it's part of our purpose as people of God to give everything we have to the purposes of God in our lives. And that includes being a part of a local congregation. You can't do it alone. And being a part of a local congregation means also giving your tithes and offerings to that congregation. And when you do so, the purposes of God are aligned with your resources. Don't you want that? Indeed you do. God is the great provider. So when you make your offering, you are also being blessed. And we are blessed by your faithfulness in doing that. So this is not just a promotional uh, moment for me to say this. It's a teaching moment. Being a person of purpose is being a person who gives into the storehouse of God, who gives to their church, as well as to other endeavors and people that the Lord may call to your awareness and enable you to assist. And in fact, the more you give, the more God gives you to give to others. That's part of the very purpose that God has assigned to you and I. So I'll remind you again, mypcf.org. If you go to our webpage and you can click on the give uh, uh, link and it'll take you to our donation page. You can set up a recurring gift. So it's very simple and automatic and you can uh, set up the amount, whether it's monthly, weekly, every other week. You can also send in a check uh, at your convenience. Just mail it in to our church address, 2235 Beverly Boulevard here in LA, California, 90057. All this information is on the website. You know what else is on the website, since I'm making these points right now, is the bulletin and the teaching slides. These may be helpful to you, especially as we move through dense material. Uh, there's a lot of promises of God, and all of them are valuable, and they will help you to understand your own personal purpose. So we give these resources to you because the, the sermon is really not about a 30 or 40 or 60 minute teaching that just stands alone. This is really a moment of exhortation in which I'm inviting you into your own study in your own home with your own Bible and your own scriptures with your cell groups and your Bible studies where you apply these things. If you're just getting the sermon every week, some sermons may hit you better than others, but really you're missing 
the full promise of God, which may be why, I'm just saying, you don't have the full purpose of God activated in your life. Maybe why you don't have the perception of your personal purpose in the Lord. So utilize these resources that we offer you. Go to the website, download the bulletin, if that's helpful or useful to you. Or if you want to make your own notes, you can. But these things are given to you so that you can follow along and also see information about what's going on in the church. For instance, this Wednesday, we're starting back with our midweek prayer meetings online. We're doing it via Zoom. And you can get that information again at the mypcf.org website. You can click on the events page or just follow the instructions that you'll find on the home page. And again, it's also information you'll find here in the bulletin. One more thing while I'm at it, PSOM. Part of God's purpose for you and I is to go further in the study of the scriptures and further in the application of ministry in our life. As a follower of Jesus, you're called to be a minister. That's not about a, a, a license per se. It's not about uh, committing to vocational ministry by which you say, I'm going to be employed by a church or in a parachurch organization. If that's God's purpose for you, then amen. Uh, and he will make that clear to you as you seek him. But it may or may not be. What we know for a certainty is every person is called to receive Christ into their heart. And every person who does is sent on a mission. That is to say, every person becomes someone who is living to be a witness to the truth of Christ. That's why we have PSOM. Praise School of Ministry exists to equip you in better understanding God's purposes for you and his promises to you and how to align your life with those realities in such a way that you are empowered and equipped on the task. Now, you may think I forgot the story about Paul and Silas in the prison, but I haven't. Maybe you did. Let me take you back there. So Paul and Silas are people like this. They give what they have to God and the people of God and the purposes of God. They live their lives in service to the purpose of God and in ministering the truth to others. But they encounter a world that is resistant to that purpose because the world has its own purposes that don't align with God's, that go against God's. And yet, Paul and Silas, these, these early uh, apostles, disciples of Jesus, leaders in the early church, ministry, uh, missionaries, if you will, they are not dissuaded, discouraged, confused by that reaction because they know that Jesus has already made a promise to them about it. And this is how I hope you start to see what I am uh, attempting to align here, our conversation last week about how we face problems and how following God's purpose does not take us out of problems. It sometimes takes us deeper into them. But if we understand that the purpose of God includes that, we won't be discouraged by that. The promise of Jesus was, in this world, you will have trouble, but I have overcome the world. The promise of Jesus was, if they hated me, you can expect the world to hate you too, but that doesn't matter is long, in fact, you can be encouraged by that because it shows that you are on the purpose of God. It's an indicator, at least, a, a, con, a confirming point of that. But it need not discourage you or dissuade you from following that purpose. So Paul and Silas were like this, and in the course of their ministry and their witness, they were arrested and put into prison, put into chains. So while you and I are singing, my chains are gone, I've been set free, no doubt, 2,000 years ago, they were singing in their own language songs that uh, uh, affirm that same reality, and yet we sing them without chains, but they had chains on. We sing them this morning, we sang them on a patio, but 2,000 years ago, they were singing them in a prison. There are people singing those songs in prisons today. Some people in some parts of the world, even imprisoned like they were for their witness because they are followers of Jesus and testified to that. And yet, in that prison place, they were singing. And their worship was so pure and powerful that the whole earth shook and the prison doors were opened and all the chains. Can you imagine what an earthquake that was that their chains literally came free? And in the dark of night, because whatever light had been there in the prison, which was probably not much in an ancient prison, was probably shaken out, you know, some torch or candle that in the quaking and shaking, the flames went out, all that was there was dark. And the prisoner, the, uh, the jailer, the prison keeper, went to kill himself because he assumed that if prisoners have their chains broken off and the doors opened, they're going to leave. Now, the, the prisoners 
would have a purpose of getting free, right? I mean, if the jail doors here in downtown LA suddenly sprung open and the power went out, how many would stay in their cells? Can't imagine that that would be a very typical response. One would assume that prisoners are most eager to get out, that the purpose of a prisoner is to get free. But the purpose of a jailer is to keep prisoners in jail. And he knew, this jailer knew, that if he failed in that purpose, even though it wasn't his fault, how could he control an earthquake? He knew that his life would be required of him. He expected to be killed, and probably in a horrible way, probably in a shameful way, because he preferred the idea of taking his own life to suffering whatever judgment was going to come upon him. But as he went to do that, the voice came out of the darkness and said, Stop! Don't do that! Don't harm yourself. We're all, we're all here. Not only had Paul and Silas stayed in the prison, but they had convinced their fellow prisoners to stay. In fact, I suppose that the prisoners, get this, didn't want to leave the worship because the presence of the Lord was so powerful that they preferred to be in a prison with God than free on their own. The jailer was so astonished that instead of taking his life, he gave his life to the Lord that night. And his entire household believed and were baptized. Why? Because of the testimony, the witness of Paul and Silas, who knew their purpose wasn't to get out of that jail. Their purpose was to bring the witness of the truth and the life of the Lord into that jail and into that jailer. You and I are in a world that's full of problems right now. God's purpose is not to take you out of your problems. He does have solutions. But what God really wants to do with you and I is show us how we, by looking to him, his truth, counting on and holding to his promises, can become powerful witnesses to the people around us who may think they are free, but they are really imprisoned by purposes that aren't of the Lord and that would threaten, that do threaten, ultimately, their lives. You may think that, that, that COVID is a disastrous result. You may think that, and that tyranny is a disastrous thing, but I'll tell you, no outcome is worse than hell. Death is bad. Hell is worse. You and I are here with a message of truth if we are followers of Jesus. And if that's not you, but you're a guest with us today, I want to tell you, the purposes of the world all lead to hell. There's only one way that leads to life. And Jesus says, I am that way. I am that truth. I am that life. The purpose of Jesus is that you and I should know that and make it known. It is for this very purpose that we have been enlisted in the life of the Lord. He gave his life for us so that you and I would be able to live his life in him. We can actually find our purpose refined, focused in our problems when our purpose is aligned with God's. Because God's promise is not that we will never have problems. It's that his promises and his purposes will be greater than our problems. When I preached that message on problems last week, you know what happened when I came home after a long day of working here? I was looking forward to a restful night's sleep, and in the middle of the night, we woke up to a problem. That huge, heavy rain that we had last week, not only did it rain on our roof, it rained through our roof. And Hazel woke me in the middle of the night to let me know there is water pouring down into the second-story bathroom. And at three in the morning, what do you do? It may not seem like a very big problem, and it is a petty kind of problem, but it's also one of those things where you suddenly realize, I don't know what I'm going to do in this moment. I don't know who to call. I'm not sure if it's a burst pipe or it's from the rain, uh, or it, it, in either case, exactly what I'm going to do to solve it. We got out buckets and started you know, mopping up with towels and calling the overnight hotlines and trying to figure out what to do. And ultimately, of course, it turned out that it, it was a, a, a roof leak and we we're in the process of getting it resolved and we're grateful for that. But you know what we did? We prayed. We said, Lord, help us to know the right thing to do here and how to, to solve it. But there was that nagging voice that I recognize as the enemy that is just the, the one thing after another. In fact, it may be symbolized fairly well by this. I was trying to determine at that point in the middle of the night 
um, whether it was from this heavy rain or from a burst pipe that the water was coming. Because in the 15 years that we've lived there, I can never recall water coming down in any heavy rain in this particular place. And so I was concerned, especially with it being in the bathroom, it might be a failure of a pipe. So I went outside to where our water main is to try and turn it off. And as I'm out there in the rain, in my pajamas, in the mud, pulling off this dirty, gunky lid, what's hanging out inside that dark space but a huge black widow spider looking at me? I thought, oh, this is just great. Here I am in the dark. I've got to reach in here to try and fix this and yet another problem. And it reminded me of how the enemy is. In fact, the devil, that demonic voice that sadly is constantly trying to speak to you and I in subtle and sometimes not so subtle ways, was saying to me, just like that, that, that spider thwarting my attempts to try and solve the problem, he, he was trying to speak to me and say, you know, you preach about uh, problems and having faith in problems, but how do you like it when the problem's raining down on your head? Your faith just evaporates, doesn't it? Well, you know, it isn't my faith. Yeah, in the flesh, I... It can feel like one problem after another. And some problems are more pressing than others. And some problems are more drastic than others. A leak in a roof in the middle of the night is a terrible thing. A death in the family is a, a worse thing. An accident. An argument. A divorce. A dispute that broils into a, a, a fist fight. That, that becomes a knife fight. You know, it's not hard to think of situations and scenarios that escalate to the worst kinds of extremes. And they all add up to the weight on our minds and the weight on our hearts of problems, problems, problems. And if you and I are just trying to hold on to faith in our flesh, we're not really holding on to the faith in the Lord. We need to turn to his promises. We turn to pray. No matter how bad the situation is, prayer will make it better. Prayer is an answer. Prayer is productive because prayer is predicated upon God's promises. Faith is not resident in us until God plants it in us. How can you and I get faith? Faith comes from hearing. Hearing is the word of God. At the beginning of a new year, it's a good time to have a reminder. Are you reading the word of God every day? Because problems are going to come every day. And the way to address those problems is with the promises of God. But how can you apply the promises of God if you don't know them? And how will you know them if you're not reading them? And to read them alone is important, but they cannot be understood in isolation. The promises of God have always come individually to people, but also to a community. When God made his promise to Abraham, who was named Abram, great father, God changed his name to Abraham, which means father of many. In other words, God's individual promise to Abram was a multiplying promise through Abraham to a whole nation of people. In the same way, Jesus gave himself for each one of us individually, but when he died for us, he didn't die for us alone. He died so that you and I would be brought together. The promise that God made to Abraham, I just started reading through the Bible again in one year, and I just read Genesis chapter 17, and it struck out in my mind, it stood out in my mind that, that Genesis 17 parallels to John 17. Now, the chapterizing of the Bible is something that happened long after the Bible itself was written, so it's really only God that could make an alignment like that. In Genesis 17, the Lord speaks in one of several occasions in the book of Genesis, his promise, his covenant promise to Abraham. And in fact, it's also uh, instituting of the, the, the circumcision rite. There is a covenant in blood that God makes with Abraham and his descendants. So it's individual and it's corporate. And the covenant is, I'll be your God and you'll be my people. In John chapter 17, Jesus is about to go to the cross and he's there with his disciples having what we had this morning. He is having the communion feast with them, saying, this is my body, this is my blood for you. And in John 17, he prays this covenant prayer with them. Lord, make them one, even as you and I are one. It is essential that you and I are reading the word of God on our own individually, with our families collectively, as a community of faith corporately. Because the word of God can't be understood purely in isolation. It is about bringing us into relationship with one another. And we can help one another to know and grow in the promises of God. 
and to keep on persevering in the purpose that God has for us. And then there is a personal revelation that comes through that. You cannot get real clarity about who God wants you to be personally and individually if you are disconnected from the body of Christ. Because your purpose is to be connected to the body of Christ. So it's kind of like, it's like an electrical connection. If I have a, 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 a single device, we just got a Keurig for, for Christmas and we're enjoying that coffee maker, but it has to be plugged in to the, to the whole network in order to work. It's got a purpose and its purpose is resident within it, within that device, but it has to be connected to the source and to, by being connected to that outlet, it's connected to all the other electrical devices uh, of our home and to the whole electrical grid. You and I are like that. We have a purpose that we are made for, but we can never really fully understand or fulfill that purpose that God has for us unless we are plugged into Him and into one another through Him. It is for this very purpose that you and I have been called. Now, as I mentioned, we started with problems last week because so often problems are what would get us off track. We are on a, going in a direction that God has called us to and suddenly we find a problem. Jesus going to the cross said, my soul is troubled, but what am I going to pray? Get me out of this problem? No, it's for this very reason that I have come. So our problems help us to determine our purpose when we look at our problems from the perspective of God. God says, why are you here? Is your point to live or to die? To get or to give? To lead or to follow? And what we saw last week was we're called to die to ourselves. This doesn't mean that God is trying to destroy us, but what he's saying is if you're trying to hold on to your life, you're not going to succeed. You won't be able to. But if you will let go of that and give your life over to me, like that Philippian jailer, and die to your own demands, you'll come alive to me. You won't be all about trying to get what you want, which is the way of the world, the way of the devil. In all you're getting, get wisdom. And wisdom, the truth of God, says this. It's better to give than to receive. So we live a life that is about not our own will, but God's, and not our own needs, but trusting in the Lord, and not leading, but following. Now, God calls people to leadership, and there are roles of leadership that he institutes in his body, in our world, in our lives. So I'm not saying that God doesn't make anybody a leader. In fact, promotion comes from the Lord. But if you want to be a wise leader, if you want to wear a crown and not be a clown, I guess I could go back to that phrase, you must be a follower of Jesus. Jesus said, if you would be great in the kingdom, you must be like me. Take up your cross, die to yourself, and be a servant of all. I'm combining many different statements there. The decision that you and I face is who are we living for and how we are going to live. And the purpose of God is that we would make this kind of a decision. Not my will, but yours. Not my life that I'm living, but Christ's. Not depending on my own wisdom, but looking to the Lord. Not depending on my own dreams, but instead abiding in Christ, walking by faith, not by sight, walking in the Spirit. And then I'll be someone like Paul and Silas where no matter where I am, even if I'm in the prison, I can be a witness, enjoying the fruitfulness of the Spirit and demonstrating the joy of the Lord and the power of His truth. I saw this verse as I rose this morning in my devotions, and I thought this perfectly states the summary of what we're talking about. It's Psalm 55. This is in the Passion Translation, which is a freer translation, but it's accurate to the essence of what is there in the scripture. Uh, it just puts it in more contemporary kind of language. And let, let's read it. So here's what I've learned through it all. Leave your cares and anxieties at the feet of the Lord, and measureless grace will strengthen you. Let me put it in the terms that we've been talking about. Bring your problems to God's purpose and God's purpose will propel you through his promises. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will guide your paths. Rejoice in the Lord always. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, 
will guard your hearts and minds in the power of Christ Jesus. That's those three verses that I included down there, 1 Peter 5, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, Philippians 4, 4 through 6. And they all are in alignment with that Psalm 55 promise. So that's the point of these promises that I'm talking about today, is that you and I aren't able to know God's purpose unless we know his promise. But as we know and grow in his word, as we read it, as we speak it, as we confess it, as we pray it, as we study it together, we will find greater and greater revelation about God's particular promises to us individually, collectively in this present moment, and also God's prophetic promise for us for all time. Again, I want to look at a pivotal moment in Jesus' life and see how he demonstrates this very model. He is always our model for how we are to be on that pathway of purpose that God has for us. Once again, it's a crisis moment. In fact, he has gone even further to the cross. He is now on trial before Pontius Pilate, who was the Roman uh, proconsul or essentially the governor of the region at the time, a Gentile, not particularly familiar with Jewish ways, uh, but he knows the Jewish people in the culture because he is living there and uh, ruling over them. And he is standing as judge over Jesus in this trial where Jesus' own people, the Jewish religious leaders, <coughs> have brought Jesus to Pilate, and they are saying he's an insurrectionist. He says that he's a king, so he's a threat to Caesar and he's a threat to Rome. Now, the, these Jewish leaders really feel that he's a threat to them, and that he's a heretic. But they are trying to get what they want by appealing to what Pilate wants. You see, their purpose is to get what they want. And they're appealing to Pilate, who they figure Pilate's purpose is to get what he wants, which is to ingratiate himself with the Roman Empire that he serves. Only Jesus is there for God's purpose. Pilate says to Jesus, you know, your own people brought you to me. They delivered you over to me. What have you done? that your people would betray you like this. And Jesus said, my people, my kingdom, isn't of this world. Pilate said to him, so you are a king. If you have a kingdom, you are a king. He's trying to suss out here how much of what has been told to him about Jesus is accurate. Is Jesus trying to establish a, a, a new government that's a threat to Rome? Jesus said, you say that I'm a king. In other words, those are your words. My words are, for this purpose, for this very purpose, I was born. Pause for a moment with me. He's talking about Christmas. And he is saying, this is the Christmas purpose, that I came to stand here on trial, that I came to hang here on the tree, that I came to be buried here in the ground, that I came to roll back the stone and lift up life. And all of that, all of that, from cradle to grave to, to, to throne to kingdom come, all of that can be described in one word, truth. That is the truth. It is not just a truth, it is the truth. You know, the whole universe orbits this truth. Whether anybody in the universe realizes it or not, the one who made the universe, who made all things, knows this is true. Jesus said, I came into the world to be that truth, to shine that light, and to bear witness to it. <clears throat> Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. They listen to what I'm saying. And Pilate makes what sounds like to me a very cynical response, but understandable too. <laughs> what is truth? Pilate is a man who lives in a relativistic age, it seems. Everybody has their own idea about truth. The Jewish leaders have their idea about truth. The Roman Empire has its truth. And don't we live in an era like that, too? We even talk in what I must say is kind of a silly fashion. Your truth, my truth. As though truth were this individual proprietary property that we get to carry around. Jesus is talking about a truth that is, in fact, undeniable. That's not to say that no one can deny it. It means that your denials won't defeat it. He's talking about a light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it and cannot understand it. The only way to know the light 
is to receive the truth. And that's the purpose that Jesus came for. That's why he was born, which means that's what you and I are born again into. If that's the reason Jesus came, that's the reason you and I are alive today. To know the truth and to show the truth. And to receive the blessing of that. Jesus came to testify, to bear witness to the truth. And it's his truth that sets us free. It's his promises, because Jesus himself is very God. His promises that propel us in his purposes. He has a plan for us, and he gives us the power to know that plan and to live according to it. So he, he established the plan, he opens the pathway for you and I into it, and he enables us to, to live in it, and all that you and I have to do is to say yes and amen, to believe it. But not just with our lips, but with our lives. That would be the testimony of the truth. <clears throat> I want you to bear with me because I'm going to go a little bit longer today and I'm just giving you a fair warning right now. But for those who will persevere with me in this message, there's a promise that will get delivered into your lap and into your life today through this word, I promise you. So stick with me. So Jesus says, I have come to bear witness to the truth. Now I want to do a little bit of a scholarly work here with you. Don't worry, there won't be much heavy lifting and I'll try and do it for you. All I want to say is that in the Greek, the term that is being used here, its root is martyreo, which is where we get our English word martyr from. You've heard me talk about this before, PCF. For those that are part of the, the, the fellowship here, it's, a, it's one of the common teaching points that I come back to because it is the purpose of God for us. Jesus came with a martyreo mission. His mission was to testify to the truth. And when you and I enter into his life, enter into his body, are enlisted, commissioned with him, then we become martyreo missionaries as well. In other words, we are called to be martyrs. But what I mean by that is not that we are people who rush to die, <clears throat> but we do pick up our cross to follow him, right? Jesus said, if you'd be my follower, you have to pick up your cross and also die to yourself, and also give your life to the Lord, and give yourself to his will, and be the kind of servant that I am. Love one another the way I have loved you. All of those things, that's what being a martyr about is. It's being a witness who is giving their entire life as testimony. Now, it came to be associated with people who were willing to die for what they believed in, because what could be a more emphatic statement that I trust in this truth and it's more important to me than anything else, even my own life. And of course, Jesus himself is a martyr. He does literally go to the cross. But please don't associate it with anything of that contemporary sense of martyr as someone who just enjoys the attention of saying, I'm taking so much on myself and I... It's really terrible, but I'm willing to do it. Jesus wasn't like that, and he certainly doesn't want you or I to be. That's, that kind of drama is not at all at the heart of the attitude of Christ, which is instead about laying down one's life to the purpose of God and for the truth of God. So really, what we are being called to is to be people who live for the truth of God. And that means that we are living in that way, not just on Sunday morning, but on Sunday night or Monday morning at 3 a.m. when the water comes pouring through the roof. Or on Good Friday when someone goes to the grave. Or when the diagnosis comes down from the doctor and it violates all of our hopes. And it carries with it all of our fears. When we turn some corner and suddenly find ourselves facing the worst of circumstances. Uh, we've been laid off or we've been fired. Uh, suddenly, uh, some um, money that we had saved is, is lost. You know, it's like the Monopoly card where all of a sudden some tax bill you didn't know about comes due. In those moments, to trust in the truth of God who says, I'm with you, I'll see you through this, I'll provide for you, call on me and I'll help you, but trust in me, don't be discouraged, don't be afraid, don't give up. That's being a martyreo witness. 
And it's done in such a way that it doesn't mean you deny the reality of what you face. It means you confess it. You confess your concern. Going back to Jesus in John chapter 12, who said, my soul is troubled. If it's okay and even righteous for Jesus to make that declaration, it's okay for you also to go to God, to be among the people of God and say, my soul is troubled. I need help. I'm worried. I'm concerned. But I'm putting my trust in the Lord. And that becomes a witness to his truth. We can bear witness to that truth. That's what Jesus lived like. That's how he lived. That's how he died. The word martyreo, its root form, and then the various inflections of it throughout scriptures, is first found in this gospel that we're looking at predominantly so far in this series, John, talking not about Jesus, but actually about John the Baptist who came before him, who came as a witness, a martyreo witness, to bear witness about the life so that everybody would have exposure to that light and that life. Jesus himself says, you search the scriptures. He's speaking to the religious leaders at this point. And, he, and the scriptures bear witness about me. The scriptures are a martyreo message for you and I. The spirit of the scriptures will show you and I how the absolute truth of God calls for our entire life and warrants the investment of our entire life. Jesus says in John chapter 8, even if I bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. They're accusing him of being self-aggrandizing. They're just saying, well, you say these things about you, but, you know, why should we believe you? And Jesus says, because I'm speaking the truth. And my testimony is true because I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. You don't. You don't know where I came from and you don't know where I'm going, which could be interpreted as also indicating, therefore, you don't know who you came from. And you don't know where you're going. Now think about it. These are people who are the leaders of the religion of the land. And he's saying, but you don't know the Father. And you don't know his purpose. But I know him and I know his purpose. And his purpose is my truth. And it's the truth. It is all truth. You see how powerful it is to know the truth? And you're freed to live according to that truth. No matter who opposes you. No matter what problems face you. The Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That is the truth. It is for that purpose that Jesus came and nobody took his life from him. He willingly laid it down. He said, the Father has given me the authority to do that. Now you realize what that is? That's a promise of God to the Son, a promise from the Father to the Son, affected by the Spirit that was actual authority. You will have authority in your life when you know the promise of the Father. He will show you what authority he has delegated to you. And when the Father gives you authority, no one can oppose it. It doesn't matter what role they have, his is above it. But it cannot be you and I arrogating authority to ourselves and trying to grab the power from God. That's what the devil does. And he doesn't succeed. But what Jesus is showing us is when you know the truth, the truth will free you and empower you. And you'll be a witness for that truth to others. Now, Pilate says, well, you're a witness to the truth, but what is truth? Jesus is saying, by his very presence, it's me. He's standing there silent, but he is the living truth. Now, you and I have been enlisted to be his body. So Jesus is not physically present here on earth except in you and me, his body. When we ate that bread this morning, we affirmed we are the body of Christ. So you and I are here to stand and having done all to stand, to stand for the truth of God. And there may be people all around us going, huh, what is truth? But it is not through debating them that you're going to demonstrate the truth. It is through living your life according to the purpose of the Lord. That's our martyreo mission. Our mission is to bear witness and God has not left us unequipped for that mission. Jesus said the helper, the spirit of truth will bear witness about me. The Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father will come to you and he, the spirit, will enable you to bear witness to me. You will be filled by the spirit and be likewise a testifier to the truth. Now then, Jesus is saying that to the apostles. And sometimes some 
Some scholars say, well, that's a statement that he's making just to the apostles. But look at what one of those apostles, in fact, the one who calls himself the one whom Jesus loved, the one who wrote down this gospel, the, the uh, apostle Paul, says, he who saw it has borne witness. In other words, I was there for these things, says the apostle John, and now I'm being the witness. I am giving the testimony of truth to you. And the reason I'm giving you this truth through this word is that faith comes by hearing this word so that you may believe. And when you believe, then you will perceive the purpose of God for you, which is also to be a witness for the truth. It is by the spirit, the spirit of the scriptures and the spirit of truth, the spirit of the son that you and I are equipped in this way. Whoever believes in God has the testimony in themselves. They have the martyreo message living in them. And if, they, if somebody doesn't believe God, what they are saying is God doesn't speak the truth. They're calling God a liar. And the reason they are calling God a liar is because they don't believe the testimony. And the testimony is this. I'm quoting from 1 John 5 here, but in the prior chapter, verse 14, John talks about how the testimony is the Father sent the Son to save the world. The testimony is that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. When you believe that, then you are ready to receive the Holy Spirit, not only in within you, but overflowing out of you. And you will be my witnesses. You will be my martyrea, the plural. You will be my martyrs. You will be my empowered witnesses to the world of the testimony of the truth, says Jesus. So, this is the truth that sets us free. It's the saving grace of God that we receive by faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, you'll know this truth, and this truth will set you free. But that is a statement that is made to people who abide in his word and follow his ways. You cannot just name it and claim it. You can't just say, oh, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. In fact, in the world, you'll hear people quote it all the time who do not know the truth and are not free, but they know the saying and they state it. But you have not really received the promise until you've laid down your life to the master. When you give your life to the master, then the truth is not just in your ears, it's in your heart, it's in your soul, and you are living in that real freedom. So we are called to know that and to show it and to know and follow the words of the Lord, the voice of the shepherd, and to live in his spirit, to know and live in his way. Now, this is why I said you will benefit from downloading uh, the slides, the teaching slides and uh, the outline because I'm going to move quickly in about the next, remaining five minutes to conclude this message. And in order to do so, I'm going to present you with a lot of material that we haven't time to go through. That's by design. I want to encourage you to read through this material. You are probably aware, I hope everyone at PCF is aware, that we have begun this new year in a season of fasting. 21 days in which we are fasting and praying along with the entire Foursquare denomination. And I must say, there are many other members of the body of Christ that are fasting and praying at this particular time. And there's nothing magical or religious in the sense of some kind of ritualistic notion that we have about these first 21 days of January being a time of fasting in which uh, you are required and, and there will be somehow some kind of you know, allotment of reward that comes to you, you know, uh, into your account, uh, you know, like, like, like the, uh, uh, the allotments from the IRS coming into bank accounts right now. You know, do this, and the, and the coins all fall into place. That, that sort of legalistic notion is not what this is about. It's true that Foursquare has uh, essentially a tradition in recent times of beginning the year with fasting. But the point, the purpose of it is to seek the Lord. And so in this season of fasting, and obviously it's important that you fast wisely and well, you can make choices about what's appropriate for you, uh, people in different physical uh, conditions and on medications and so forth would be wise to consult with a physician. You want to be ensuring that you are properly caring for your health. Your body is a temple of the Lord and he does not desire for you to do damage to it. That doesn't glorify him. Um, but it is also uh, very reasonable, wise, and generally healthy for most people who are otherwise in healthy condition to have periods of fasting. So you may choose to exclude certain kinds of foods or certain meals or do more complete fast. 
Do what the Lord would purpose in your heart to do, but do it in a way in which there is a level of sacrifice involved, and yet do it wisely and with consultation. But do it in a way that also affords you more time for reading the word. Take time that you would normally be eating, or if you're doing a social media fast, which could be a very useful thing in these days. I've come to believe that social media has very insidious effects, no matter how wisely we try and use it. And stepping away from it for extended periods of time is probably very wise. I say probably. I'm not saying I speak on behalf of the Lord for this per se, but it seems to me, as best as I can judge, that there's some wisdom in stepping away. Take that time and give it to the Word. Give it to prayer. Give it to listening for the Lord and hearing his voice and seek his purpose. And yes, in that, there does come blessing. There comes the blessing of knowing what he is saying and recognizing how he speaks. Jesus said, the works that I do, the miracles that I do, they bear witness to me. They are a martyrial message in themselves. But you don't believe me, he said to the leaders, because you're not part of my flock. You're not part of my body. You're not part of my sheep. But my sheep know me. They know my voice. They follow me. And I give them this promise, eternal life. Even if they die, still will they live. And no one can take them out of my hand. Friend, that's a promise to you if you're a follower of his. And if you haven't made the decision to follow him, come into the fold. Enter into the flock. Do you hear his voice right now? Do you sense his spirit saying to you, put your hand in mine and let me put my life in yours? Because that is a promise that will never perish. And it will also produce a fruitful way of living. John 14 is where Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and I'm the only way. I'm the only truth. I'm the only life. No one comes into the life, truth, and multiplying blessing of God the Father except through me, Jesus the Son. That is the testimony of truth. And that is a promise that will propel us in his purposes. We need God's promises to us. It's not just feel-good messaging. It is absolutely essential fuel to run the race, to win the prize. It's essential light to know the path in order to perceive your purpose. God's promises to us are sure, and the word makes them clear. In James chapter 1, James writes to the early church and says to them, and by extension to you and I, every good and perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights. There's no shadow of turning in him. There's no variation. In other words, he gives gifts and he doesn't take them back. He has a purpose and he doesn't turn away from it. He's not going to give you the cold shoulder. People turn away from him, but he, he will not turn away from you in this life. But friends, this is a limited time offer. You remember those old messages on TV? Call now. They would say, but wait, there's more. God never says, but wait. God says, do it now. But there is more. Believe me, God is always saying, there is more, there is more, there is more. Your eye hasn't seen, your ear hasn't heard, your mind hasn't yet conceived all the blessings I want to pour out on you, says the Lord. But this is a limited time offer. Call now, because this offer expires. Why? Because it is appointed to each one of us to live once and then to face the judgment. There is death ahead of each one of us. We know that. There is life beyond death, but there is a judgment. And what Jesus has said is, I'm the way to know the truth that brings life. But if you reject me, you reject truth, you reject life. Don't do that. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It is by God's will that he has drawn us into this truth by his very word of truth he gave birth to us in the Spirit so that we should be a kind of first fruits. 2 Corinthians 1 says, All the promises of God find their yes in Christ Jesus. You find your purpose in Him, and you will see His purpose for you and receive the Spirit's enablement, the power to live according to that purpose, to offer up our yes and amen. God promises us His abundant life, and He gives it. He promises us his anointing spirit, and he gives it. He promises us his abiding rest, and he means it. 
There is a rest ahead for you and I. So don't grow weary in well-doing because we will reap a harvest in due season if we don't give up. Our purpose in him is to live a righteous life. Now, I'm not going to take the time to read with you James chapter 1, verses 18 to 27. It follows the statement that we just looked at. But on the bulletin and in these slides that you'll be able uh, to access today on our website, you will see that there's a whole litany of ways that you and I are called to live because he gave birth to us through the word of truth, because we are called to be witnesses of his. And that means that we should live in a certain way. I've summarized what this scripture says here, basically, which is, if you'll read that passage, you'll see, we are called to be fruitful in the things of the Spirit, to be quick to listen and slow to anger, to be humble, to live pure lives, to act upon and apply God's word, not just hear it, but actually do it, to control our tongues. That's not easy, is it? We need the Holy Spirit's help for that. To care for the needy. Not because we're trying to get credit with God, but because we already recognize that it's God's purpose that we should do that and that we would be witnesses of his by doing that. To cast off worldly and wicked ways and not to get entangled and ensnared in those same old sins. To demonstrate God's love. John chapter 13 talks about that. Jesus says, a new command I give to you, love one another. Our purpose is to live in the light of the Lord to love the Lord and one another, to show the world who the Lord is, and not to be discouraged in running our race, to keep on proceeding with persistent perseverance. Next week, we're going to look at Philippians chapter 3 and Hebrews 12. How do you and I run this race with our eyes on the prize, reaching out to lay hold of the one who's already laid hold of us? God's done everything that we need in order to live a good and godly life. But there is a point of response on our part, and that is to say, this is the very purpose that I'm living for and nothing else. I let everything else go so that I can grab hold of this. You will not regret doing that. Everyone who grabs onto something else, they are going to regret grabbing on. And if you're holding on to something else right now, some other way of living, some other kind of teaching, some other kind of of, of of religious doctrine or political ideology that is primary to your focus on God, in other words, it's coming first, then let it go and seek first the kingdom of God and seek first the truth. Seek and know the voice of Jesus and you will receive the power to persevere and the perception in two weeks, we're going to talk about this, of your own personal purpose in the Lord, a very important message that we will come to in due season. Right now, I want to pray with you. Lord, we know that your word is truth, and only you, Lord Jesus, have the words of life. There are so many things that discourage us. There are so many things that distract us, so many ways in which the roof can cave in, our hearts can go sour, our tongues run away from us, our relationships crumble, our dreams and desires get all tangled up, and our lusts and our lies entangle us also. Lord, liberate us from all of that. Set us free from all of that. As we enter into this new year of purpose in you, we renew our commitment to you, that we belong to you, that we desire you. We dedicate ourselves once again to seeking you daily in prayer, to listening, taking time to shut out other voices and to go into whatever prayer closet you can provide for us and read the word and meditate on it. Listen to your spirit and consider it. We renew our commitment to, in our friendships in the faith, be mentors to one another, to remind one another of the word, to bear witness to one another of the testimony of how you've helped us in the past, of how you're helping us in the moment, of what we see you leading us to in the future. To be patient with one another when we hurt one another. To be forgiving when we have wronged one another. And to ask forgiveness when we have done wrong. To ask it of you and to ask it of others. We commit once again, Lord, that we desire not to be distracted by worldly things, wicked ways, fleshly desires. As we fast, Lord, we ask that you would break us free from spiritual bondages, 
habits, addictions, distractions, confusions, lies that we have swallowed, that we have planted, that we have even worshiped, Lord. Set us free from the idolatry that would ensnare us. If there's anything, Lord, that we believe about you that isn't true, correct it by your word, by your spirit, by your body. Lord, we once again commit to submission that we would be submitted to the earthly leaders that you have placed over us, secular leaders who have positions of authority, Lord. We will not follow them to such a degree that we would contradict your word to us. But as much as your word allows us, Lord, let us be submitted to authorities over us as unto you, whether it's our boss in the job or the mayor of the city or the president of the land. Lord, we submit ourselves to spiritual leaders, pastors, shepherds, supervisors and bishops that are over us, Lord. We know that they're not perfect. As one of those myself, I say, you know, and these know, I am not perfect and I fail and falter. But Lord, I know that you also honor the heartfelt desire of your under shepherds to serve the flock by serving your purpose. We thank you for those who are in leadership over us, Lord. I thank you for the pastors of PCF, the ministry leaders of PCF. And I pray that you, Lord, would help each one of us to renew our commitment and resolve to be those people serving and following, submitting and trusting as unto you and showing love to one another. Equip us, Lord, to care for the needy, to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to heal the sick, to encourage the downhearted, and, Lord, to call the sinner to repentance, even as we ourselves confess, Lord, we are sinners, but we trust your salvation. Keep us far from sin and lead us in your ways, in your purpose and in your life. I want to say a special prayer for any that are wanting to make a particular renewed covenant or a first-time commitment to the Lord, will you just repeat these words with me? And if you're walking with the Lord and you know and love Him, you will not be hurt by saying these words too because they simply affirm what you have already declared. So let's pray this together. Lord Jesus Christ, will you repeat it? Lord Jesus Christ, I believe you are the truth. I believe you are the way. I believe you are the life. I give my life to you today. May every day that remains for me on earth be a day that I live for you. I trust you to save me. I ask you to help me. And I love you and will follow you. Amen. There's power in that prayer. We're here for you, friends. Call upon us when you need us. We look forward to seeing you at our midweek service on Zoom this Wednesday. And once again, 10 a.m. next week, we will be online. God bless you. May the purpose of the Lord be your governing, guiding light and your promise and blessing in Him. Amen.